You're listening to Well I Laughed, part one of Lost and Found, out on a limb. So how's your week been, Maya? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny because we just recorded last week's episode, had our classic little baby bell break. Yep. Casey's now quietly slinking back upstairs. Because I've now threatened him. (laughs) To capture his audio. (laughs) He's either, he can either be here and get his audio captured or he can leave. Those are his options. You know how children are to be seen and not heard? That's Casey. Casey is to be heard and not seen or nothing at all. (laughs) It's an audio platform, folks. I love the last, he's been on our Patreon episodes a couple times the last, over the last month. And every time you can't see him. And so it's it's like right. it's like the He's the dad from um, the Powerpuff Girls yes. <laughs> can never see his face. <laughs> there was a cartoon, an absolutely demented, called like Cow and Chicken, I think, or something. The fuck. Yeah, I know. It's a Cartoon Network show, but it always because uh, it was shot from the POV of Cow and Chicken, which were these children of a human family. Anyways, because it was like kind of filmed from their POV, it's a cartoon. You never actually saw mom's face. Oh. It was mom's neck to like mom's knees. And nice. then she would like gesture and stuff. And now it's funny. At the time, it was infuriating as yeah, a child. Yeah, because you were like, I just want to... Uh. I wasn't quite yet able to appreciate the like avant-garde nature that the creators were choosing. Right. Um, speaking of avant-garde, did you ever watch Courage the Cowardly Dog as a kid? Yes. I don't know that I like really remember mm. much of it, though. Like I remember watching it and the premise of it, but I don't remember like specifics. I remember watching it and... <laughs> you young folks aren't even going to get what this is about. <laughs> but remember watching it because it was like better than nothing, mm. but it was the thing that was on in between other things that I wanted to watch. That's how I felt about like Cat Dog. Yes. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of loved Cat Dog. I wow. did too, but like. You were hitting in on some memories right now. That one. Oh, and. Uh... Memories all alone in singing podcast. <laughs> I was also thinking of, uh, oh, what's, it was something something's house for imaginary friends. Mm. That one was also good. Foster's home for imaginary friends. Yes, that one I ended up growing into, like, actually really liking, but that was another one that I just, like. Well, because it was found family trope. Yes. And you're kind of queer. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense now. It makes sense now. Gosh, Blue's Clues should have done a number on us. You know what I mean? Um, Shoot, what was I going to say? We were talking about. Oh, just Courage the Cowardly Dog freaked me out a little bit. Like That's fair. Nowadays, I'm like, wow, what a really edgy, kind of artistic cartoon show about the, like, complexities of familial love. And now... And now it's BoJack Horseman. Exactly. <laughs> now they make adult cartoons specifically for that reason. Every now and then during the summer, I'm like, maybe I should watch BoJack Horseman a little bit. And I do. And after, like, episode four, I'm like, I need to get outside. I need to be moving my body. <laughs> I do not think this is good for me. It was an amazing show to watch once. It's a hard show to binge watch, like three seasons in a row of. It is, it is. And I, I found it from my ex, actually, because mm. he had some like insomnia issues that were also probably maybe related to drugs, but we won't mm. talk about it. And so I would wake up in the middle of the night to like the bump. Boom, boom. Like the, mm, yeah. the like very like acid trip almost like intro of BoJack right. Horseman and like haunted me for a little bit <laughs> until I think it was after we, we like weren't dating anymore that I actually sat down and watched it and I was right. like okay this is actually a good show but I was like that 
intro song is the most annoying thing that has ever existed. Take half a guess as to who introduced it to me first. I want to say Tyler, but he's not that edgy. No. Jacob and Lydia. I'm uh, my next them. guess was Jacob. Yes. Oh, yeah, Jacob. And yeah. then Lydia kind of watched it and like kind of wanted to be into it because her husband was into it. But, but it's, it's too... Yeah. Yes. I feel like Lydia <laughs> and Casey are the same in that they want to watch things that are like enjoyable. Yes. And that's... Casey and I like had arguments about it because I wanted him to watch Bojack Horseman because it like... It's very deep mm-hmm. and it has a lot of like really meaningful messages about like mental health and stuff, especially towards right. the end. And he like could not stand the characters, and I was like, "That's that's the point. That's the whole point." And he was like, and then like I was watching Community because he wanted me to watch Community, right. and so I got through all of it, and I like it's okay. Fine. It's yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. The first few seasons. No, I'm are, sorry if we just lost half our listeners, but it's fine. It's it's funny. Like it has its moments for sure, sure but it's not like something. It's not like a cult classic in the same way that like The Office right. is, you know. Um, and so I I watched it. There's some episodes that I got like. I don't know, really over. But I was like, you need to watch BoJack Horseman if I'm watching this. Because was, right. this was towards the like end of it where it really like Got, goes off the rails yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. good it anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or Community. Oh, when Community, community goes, off, goes the off the rails. I was like, I thought need... the last couple no, no, seasons no. of BoJack was amazing. The last few se- yeah, because I was in the last few seasons of Community and kind of my deal with him was like, I'll watch Community, you watch BoJack Horseman. Right. And he had like watched maybe like five episodes. And I was like, you better sit your ass down and watch <laughs> Start this. watching these. <laughs> if I have to watch another goddamn paintball episode, I'm going to lose my Mind. <laughs> the fact that Rebecca Gecko is a human. Yes. Such a funny reveal. Hilarious. And two, I watch it. I mean, I get Bojack Horseman. I understand why some people in my life really identify or mm-hmm. appreciate seeing that character's arc. For me, my favorite character, have I told you this? Princess Caroline. Princess Caroline. Absolutely. 100% Princess Caroline. In many ways, I'm still like me, but then like touches of Diane, mm-hmm. but I think I'm just far too boisterous to be Diane. I think I I'm Princess Diane. Caroline. Yeah. Casey is absolutely Mr. Peanut Butter. <laughs> Thank you for saying it, because it's a compliment, but it doesn't always come across He's, that way. He realized it too, and he all the time, like, if we ever have like two groups of friends that are meeting, like at my housewarming yes. party, it was like all of my random little groups of friends meeting. He was just, what is this, a crossover episode? I still say that. No. I still say that. It's so good. On this topic, um, Jacob and Lydia, and I know I've told you this personally off mm-hmm. air, but uh, Jacob and Lydia are Bob and Linda Belcher yes. from Bob's Burgers. We've said this so many times. So many and times. And I will, yep. Yeah. We need to reiterate it into uh, into I, reality. I almost want rights to whatever yeah. it is. And what's also super crucial is I think we've said their last name before. I'm going to try not to try to start. I'm going to try not longer say last names, but. Jacob's last name starts with a B, mm-hmm. and everyone knew a Jacob. So in college, we called him by his last name, just like mm. as a fun nickname. So it was literally B, the rest of his name, and Lydia, which was super close to Bob and Linda. <gasps> and I was like, "This is this is who you guys are." Also, there it's like Bob Belcher. Like, yes, it's, it fits. It's so perfect, and like. One, Gene, Tina, and Luis are 100% the kids also, that they would Also, it'd be like raise. you, me, and like Danny would each adopt one yeah. of the kids. Oh, I'm Teddy. I know yeah. I'm Teddy. I hate how much you are agreeing. Oh my God. My whole world has just changed. Because <laughs> I toss out stories that make you go, oh, okay. And I'm always there. <laughs> <laughs> If they owned a restaurant, I would eat their Saturday and Sunday every day. Yeah. Because I love my friends, and I love it when they cook for me. 
That's real. That's real. Lydia loves wine, sings sometimes, has a weird relationship with her family. No, I'm kidding. She has a great relationship. <laughs> trying to make the Gale thing work. Mm, yeah. Um, they've also talked before about like if they were to get a pet, it would be a cat first, which is absolutely what the Belchers would get. Uh, yes. If they got a uh, if they got a pet. Um, so yes. I love that. The little cartoon minute. I'm sorry if you're one of our adult listeners who was like, skip, skip, skip. Who doesn't know any of these cartoons that we're referencing. (laughs) I will say this, and this is now me speaking to me in the future and also to all of you guys, because this is getting published the Wednesday after Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, so that means I am 72 hours away from hosting our annual speech and debate tournament, which is like the day I dread the most. It always goes fine, but it's essentially kind of like planning a wedding every year. It's stressful. Right. Mm -hmm. And you just really hope it goes well and that it ends without anything bad happening. Mm -hmm. And the day after our tournament, I'm always like, amazing. 364 days before I have to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and like over time it's gotten better and it's easier. You know, I have incredible friends both in speech and debate coaching and out who are willing to come in and help. But it's still just a thing the other day. It's like my show. Mm-hmm. It's my job to make sure it runs well. I like maybe hold myself up to an unrealistic expectation. And that's real. You'll get through it because you have before. But if you are feeling so moved, would not say no to words of affirmation right now. <laughs> I remember recording this in October. I just know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a month in advance? Yes. Legitimately, this on, the, on Monday of what we call just tournament week, it's just tournament week in the school, um, on the Monday we host an all-team meeting where we pull kids from all of the classes and the after-school programming, and they're all crammed in my classroom at the same time. And I say to them like this little speech i'm probably not going to be super nice this week i'm not intentionally trying to be mean but the stuff i have to do like quadruples starting this morning Mm -hmm. and so i will do my best to like say thank you afterwards and make sure you feel like acknowledged and appreciated but i also need just to kind of be in the mindset that we're going to do the work now and we're going to then receive like praise and compliments and feedback Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that also means this is a great time to like learn how to interact with someone. If someone in your own life has a lot of stuff going on and they're shorter with you than they normally are, they don't suddenly hate you. They just have a lot going on. So new rule for everyone in this room right now. <laughs> before you ask me a direct question this week, mm-hmm. I would really encourage you to go to our leadership team first and see if they can't solve Answer for, it you. for you. I'm not saying you can't talk to me. I'm just saying you got a lot of resources. I'm not the only one. Yeah. And this ain't the week to try it. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to plan events mm. when I was, it, uh, it was like my on-campus job in college. And I had a friend, Megan, and she is a lot like me in that she is like very type A, needs everything to go kind of perfectly in her events. And it made her events go really well, but it also made her kind of a nightmare to plan with sometimes. And she knows that, I don't think she listens, but if you're listening, we love you. You were a nightmare sometimes. (laughs) I think you know that. Um, But it got to the point we had, our advisor at the time was Kelsey. And she, we would always have one-on-ones, weekly one-on-ones with Kelsey, um, regardless of our position. And sometimes those one-on-ones were like talking about life. Sometimes they were like answering questions. Sometimes it was her talking to us about stuff that had happened. But a lot of times it was just us like doing the work that we needed to get done in her office where she was like our resource. Right. And 
at, at one point it got so hectic for Megan that she had so many questions for Kelsey that Kelsey was like, you don't ask me a single question <laughs> until you have five of them written down. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so real. And then you can ask. <laughs> and that's how you know Megan knew that she was, like, probably being a lot, because she was like, mm. oh, yeah, 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 yeah of course, gotcha. of okay. course, of so course. So write five, condense it into one. Yeah. And then <laughs> give it to you in a note card. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And I think... I think I was probably like that at some point. Sure. I don't I don't know. My advisor technically was Alexandra when I was like doing some of the bigger events, but I do remember at some point just like falling asleep on Kelsey's floor. Sure. While she was working. See, yeah, I get this so much. It is like in the fall of a dictatorship, there's always a power vacuum. And that's what happens this week, every week in my <laughs> speech and debate program. It's wonderful. We have like 60 kids in the program, mm -hmm. which is more than 10% of the school. Like it's, it's a, a lot, yeah. I'm really supported. Like you don't get to those kind of percentages without like institutional support, backing and encouragement. Mm -hmm. So no man's an island. Yeah. But you know, I want to get to know all the kids. A lot of the decisions still kind of run through me, even if it's just like, yes, and then you go iron out the details and things like that. Yeah. But this is the week that like my drawbridges kind of grow up, go up and I focus exclusively on something. And it's hard and, to like communicate that with kids right. who are used to you being like a resource. Super open mm -hmm. and able to. And I'm still like, I'm not a, I'm not a dick to the kids, but it's just like, there's so much work to do and do not yeah. understand. So what happens is a handful of the kids who are going to not compete at our tournament mm. uh, become then like deputy tournament directors directors and they understand that the tournament raises a huge percentage of our budget every year mm. a budget that i then turn around and invest directly back into them and they also know that when they take over like a deputy tournament director position they essentially carry unchecked authority by anyone other yep. than me i might one. as well hand out tiaras at <laughs> meeting to like the newly crowned princes and princesses <laughs> of the realm. There'll be times at the tournament on Saturday we'll just look at a kid and I'll go, you need to round up everyone 14 and 15 years old and clean the entire upstairs. And if anyone has a question, they run it through you. And if anyone says no, you give me their name. And then I just like kind of pivot and I go do something else. I'm That's almost, a big ego boost. I know. I'm almost never that uncompromising, but I'm just very aware that we are in other teachers' classrooms, which is... I mean, sometimes during the winter where we spend more time than our actual homes. Right. And I need to make sure that the kids understand that, like, this all works because of the good graces of others. Mm. And this is, like, the one moment we don't kind of joke around or have to do something. Yeah. Right? And I also don't have time to lead 40 kids through it. Mm -hmm. Now I need to be a person for a second. There's, like, a hundred other things I got to do. Which is usually pretty great. I've had a kid or two go drunk with power. <laughs> and that's fair. Listen, if I was... <laughs> If I was the monarchy in this constitutional monarchy, Same. I did not put up enough checks and balances. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Right? So there's, so now there's kind of this like little test in the back of my mind. I'm like, is this kid empathetic? Like at the yeah. end of the day, at the end of the day, how detached from reality is this kid <laughs> willing to get for one 12 hour period of time? We've talked a lot about tournament logistics, which is deeply interesting to me and probably weird and confusing to everybody else. I love event planning. I will, okay, you, I love that you get it and that yeah. you know what I'm talking about. The last thing I'll say, and then we can pivot or I can share, I don't know. <laughs> last thing I want to say on this, though. So we're recording this in October, which is the end of what we call novice season, when all of our new members go to their first tournament mm. and they're a lot smaller and it's only new kids and et cetera. 
and in explaining it both to our new team members and to teachers who are curious as to what we're doing right now, I like to use this analogy. And I go, we um, have been trying to teach these kids how to play football when they have never seen football before. Mm. And this is about, this entire month of October is showing them what football is yeah. and they can kind of learn it. Now that we're in December, which is when this thing is uh, going, Super Bowl or nothing, baby, let's go! <laughs> to Steve Lerniker! <laughs> so it's good. That's the, I am now, I am like rapidly making that transition mm. as you record. I yeah. love that. My first time event planning, I was, um, so you get like a different position every year, kind of. In my first year that I was on the event planning council, I was movie night chair, and so nice. I just planned all the movie nights. And I really had no idea what I was getting into. Sure. Like I applied because someone reached out and was like, hey, you should apply. And I was mm. like, why not? And then suddenly I'm at a retreat <laughs> learning about like how much budget we have and like what events we put on. And I'm like, right. holy fuck, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that three day quarter million dollar event is the nine of you? <laughs> Sorry, the nine of us? The There's eight others who have to do this? Sorry, the fuck did you just say to me? Yes. And then I'm planning my yeah. first event, which in like the grand scheme of all the events that we plan is relatively small, but it's an outdoor movie. And so I like had to get the movie rights and then the projector and whatever, mm. all that stuff, get it all set up. And we're walking up to start set up. And granted, we always start set up for like the outdoor movies a lot earlier than we need to. Sure. Um, because we want to get it all set up before the the like night starts. I don't know. Before lights go down. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, the president of the council at that point turns to me and he's like, you got a generator, right? And I go, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> And I, also, the president of the council, a.k.a. junior business administration major. <laughs> I didn't go to... Uh, oh, right. You he's also a, an engineer. He's just also another engineer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, first woman he's talked to ever. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? I and can get a treadmill and pedal pass. <laughs> luckily, we were able to, like... like I don't know, whatever office we needed to ask for a generator wasn't closed yet, but I experienced <laughs> so many heart palpitations because it's like arguably, yes. we start out with like the biggest movie and then it kind of goes downhill from there as like kids start like making friends. They like come to these right. things to like find their social yeah, group. Yeah, it's an engineering school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm, what? <laughs> and that's how it felt. It was like the chair, entire- Chair, chair, you're done chair, chair. <laughs> It's like the the entire summer of me sending emails and feeling good about myself. And then all of a sudden they're like, did you remember the most basic item for this event? So where's the power? (laughs) Sorry, what? Uh, To our listeners, and I think this is actually like a pretty big percentage of you, who are such deep empaths, you feel the emotion of others. We're sorry for the anxiety trip of the last 20 minutes. We're smiling and having a good time right now. You don't need to be nervous about it. If it makes you feel better, I ended up figuring it out. And then I ended up running that quarter million dollar three-day event at the end by the time I was a senior. So everything worked out. Yeah. Less, more stressful. Yeah. And you learned something and it was great. And if it makes you feel better for my story, uh, I end up just expressing this anxiety to every person close to me. In the Denver greater metro area, and then it just goes fine. If you get a, if you're a waitress and you see a bald man that overshares to you, it's probably grand. Don't ask us this week what do we got going on. Okay? <laughs> Be real elusive. With, oh God, I have to tell you, kid stories. Okay. First, the kid today in class was like, "Mister, were you at Walmart yesterday?" And I was like, "No, it was Sunday, and we got eight inches of snow. What? I didn't leave the house." <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, okay, sorry. I thought I saw you at Walmart." And I go, "Oh." Do all bald white dudes look the same to you? It's 
pretty messed up to say. The answer is it's yes. It's not. It's really funny. <laughs> and we do all look the same. Shockingly <laughs> yeah. the same. Uh, but that was hilarious. And then That's two, really on Thursday or Friday of last week, well, this little freshman girl comes in and I'm playing some music. There's like some work time. We're in between school ending and practices starting. So it's a pretty mellow time in my room. And she sits down in the classroom and she goes, Mr. Is this a song by Novo Amor? And I go, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. That's incredible. And she goes, that's really tough to hear. Oh, and God. I go, what? Why? What do you have against Novo Amor? She goes, no, nothing. I'm just a high school girl who has the same music taste as an old white man. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny. I laugh for 30 seconds. I go, how dare you call me old? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> she's gonna be she's a so comedic good. genius. She's, she's a freshman. I don't even know what I have left to teach her. <laughs> that comedic timing. You know what's so really fun? Good. She's the same one that came to me today and was like, Mister, I want to do my script. Oh. I think it re- I want to change my script. Yeah. It like really pushes me. And I gave her this cute little analogy. Also, because changing her script now would be like so much work. Um, <laughs> I gave her this cute little analogy and I go, when you plant a seed in a pot, the pot's too big for that seed. But you don't put the seed in a smaller pot. You just know the seed will grow to fill the pot you put it in. So we're not going to change the script. <laughs> she took that as like reassurance enough. That's really cute. Away. I love I that love that job. story is sandwiched <laughs> by her with that amazing <laughs> comedic. She just kind of one I can be real roast. with, you know, real yeah. unreal, you know. That's really tough to hear. It's tough to hear. What are you talking? That's a great band. I know it is, and that's <laughs> that's such bad news for me. <laughs> It is bad news, though. It means no one's going to get her for the next four years. Like, no one's going to understand her. But when she gets to college, if that's what she She's chooses... She's going to be real funny. Oh, my God. Amazing. She's going to be a hit. She's going to be funny, but also cool and potentially mysterious. Which neither that's one of us dream. know any of that. I can be like. mysterious. Not with you. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd love to see it, but no, I want to know all of your secrets. I want us to share everything together. You want me to you be are... the mysterious? I can not laugh at a single joke that you say you for the rest. No, because I think this is like a really fun episode <laughs> that I put together. It's about another dead female author. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have a type? <laughs> Hey, in my defense, last week, well, last time I did a story, it was about a dead male author. <laughs> and his inspiration. When we were at a Halloween party, I looked at Maya and I go, I'm just not proud of how I did the Ian Fleming episode. <laughs> and Maya, I think, trying to be supportive, goes, yeah. <laughs> and I took that as confirmation I had done a bad job. I haven't really and listened to later, it, I don't even know. In a better state of mind, I was like, that's not what she meant. That isn't what she meant at all. We've she all wouldn't be that stories. coy with her feedback. <laughs> you hear this one? Yeah. All right. Um, I am really, I'm actually so excited to see. It's always, I get how great artists are because I had an idea as to what I wanted and yep. then I had like another idea and then I had a third idea. And then none of them panned out. And then <laughs> in my panic, I had this like moment of clairvoyance. And I remember this thought I had a couple months ago. And then I looked it up and it was enough information. And it was actually then a really interesting story. And this is the first time I have followed your tip. And um, I watched a whole documentary about this topic. The, doc- the story that I'm going to do 
I just watched like an eight-part docuseries. <laughs> okay, well, I don't, have, one of them. don't have that kind of time. Oh, I decided the, about halfway uh, through. The. <laughs> I that also running... watched it from last night into this morning. That's, in, anyway, that's insane. Hold on, I need to try to shoot this text off before It's I okay, you can do it. I want yeah. to explain something. Listener, yeah. if the last three weeks you have heard us make the joke, the, uh, the, that <laughs> joke is how... When they just have, like, free time during the day, when they're technically working, <laughs> but, like, can kind of go to the bank or whatever, I'm actively teaching children how to read. <laughs> Today's, like, pop quiz, which caused a lot of anxiety, was the difference between your and your. And so I was going, like, is that your computer? Which version of your did I just use? And they'd go, um, R-E. And I go, you are a computer? <laughs> and they go, no! And so, um... The, uh, the. the. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there were so many ways I could have started the story. And when I asked you just a personal question, mm-hmm. Maya, what is the most valuable thing you have ever lost? Most valuable thing I've ever lost. I don't know. I hoard everything. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I haven't ever officially lost anything because spiritually I believe I still have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't need a hard answer. If you think, you know, for the most part, you've held on the most valuable things. (laughs) Was it like your sanity? (laughs) The love of my mother. (laughs) That is dark. (laughs) I've been meaning to tell you, our show is now like the shared Netflix show that my parents watch. <laughs> I love but it's that. I was on the phone with him yesterday and my mom goes, Oh, I just listened to the live show. And my dad goes, You jumped ahead? <laughs> and my mom goes, Well it's Halloween. I wanted to hear the Halloween episode. <laughs> it was like so I don't know when or how they are listening together. I love that <laughs> so much. My dad actually had a lot of thoughts on Mary Shelley. I know, right? I love Very that sweet. For him. Um okay. Well, you can just kind of sit on that for a second. The theme of this next three episodes is lost and found. So just ponder, what's the most valuable thing you've ever lost? I have two quotes to start us off, and then we're going to jump into the story. The first one, I've always been famous. It's just now everyone is finding me. Shannon Wisnat. Oh. Second quote. That is you. (laughs) You have no idea what you just said. (laughs) The second quote, if there's a soulmate out there for everybody, there is reason to believe there is also everyone's own antichrist. Oh, John Wood. Oh, my God. Let's go ahead and get into this fun little story that I have managed to keep a secret from Maya and that I finished at about 1 a.m. today. Oh, um, Jesus. Well, I mean, we, finishing touches, I guess I should okay. say. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat> I'm going to take you back in time, back to where some of you listeners, before you were even born, um, into January 2004. Oh, God. George W. Bush is president. Katrina's about to happen. And this man, John Wood, suffers his own personal tragedy. In January 2004, John Wood survives a plane crash. A small plane he is in crashes. In the crash, he loses his father. And as a result of his injuries... He has to have his leg amputated before he goes into surgery. He, as in John Wood, Mm -hmm. manages to convince the hospital, like legit has to talk them into it. 
To let him keep the leg. To let him keep the leg. Jesus Christ. <laughs> to let him keep the leg after the surgery. Oh, yeah, they're about to amputate it. So no, before, but does he, like, lose the leg that he now has? You're going to have to just listen to the story. You are you are not ready for what I'm about to talk oh to you about. He thought he was going to get skeletal remains. In his mind, he was going to get, like, the bones left oh, over. Oh, no, they're just going to hand him a fucking leg. meaty leg. Right, correct. He, uh, he gets a human leg back. Oh, my um, God. With flesh on it. Muscles, tendons, wrapped up in a white trash bag and hand-delivered to him by the hospital mortician. Jesus Christ. It still had all five toes. What? So this is not the remains John Wood was expecting to get. In his mind... He should have been more specific. He was going to get a skeleton. <laughs> Why? I don't I don't know. That part isn't clarified. I think it really does speak a lot about assumptions. And also intelligence. <laughs> like, what do you think? You're going to get a bag of bones? Listen, I can't tell you who's the hero and who's the villain of the story yet. But I can tell you is that, like, this is... Such a small detail. <laughs> story I'm that just I'm confused about, to about tell how, you. like, was he going to get a, did he think he was going to get, like, the leg, like, as, like, as standing up, like, with the feet and everything? Because that's not how. That's what he got. He did not no, expect like, that at all. No, like, the bones, like, in the shape oh, no, of a I think leg. Oh, no, I think he expected, like, a box with the bones Okay, at still. least that's realistic. Yeah. Or, you know, at least a leg that had gone through some kind of preservation process. Instead, he's just given a leg. Why did the hospital give it to him? It's a small town. It's in Maiden, North Carolina. Listen, I asked for one of my wisdom teeth to keep when I got my wisdom tooth removed, and they they looked me dead in the face and said no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you were John Wood, you wouldn't have taken that as an answer. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what the fuck? So John's like, no, I I need this leg. And they're like, fine. And they give him basically, I mean, I hate to be so crass, but like, Kind of fresh off the table, yeah. wrapped in a bag, handed to him. The way John Wood describes it, he doesn't dive into the surgery. The way John Wood describes it <laughs> is he's given this bag, is kind of confused as to what it is because it's a lot heavier. heavier than he's expecting. He looks into it, and by the time he's even started to unwrap it, he hears his porch door close because this fourth generation country hospital mortician has already hit his car and is peeling out of the driveway. (laughs) (laughs) So John Wood is now left with a predicament he, perhaps rightly or wrongly, is deeply unprepared for. He needs to find somewhere to put this leg so he can then figure out what to do next. He does not have a lot of possessions at this time, but he does have a friend with a connection. So he goes to where his friend works which, of course, is a local Hardee's. And they put it in the freezer of a fast food restaurant. What the f- Why? And then he Why? Drives away Why? Because they had a deep freezer that could preserve meat, and he needed some time to think about what's going to happen. I hate men. I'm so excited to tell this story to you. This is still like the teaser part of the story. So what? he in this documentary, John Wood goes, so I give it to him, and then I kind of drive home, and I'm trying to figure it out. And then I get a call about an hour later from my friend, and the manager has found the dead leg. The a leg. fucking leg in, a the leg in the freezer? Jesus. Lunch runs got busy and he went to the freezer. So anyways, <laughs> John Wood drives through the drive-thru to get, to get his, his own leg back. <laughs> 
it makes, it the makes most sense. sense if you're fair, but it's so fucking crazy <laughs> to think about. Okay. Imagine, imagine one step worse is that you're in the drive-through behind him, and then you, but you witness him like he thinks he can't go through the drive-through, so he meets up at the like back kitchen door. And <laughs> what kind of a drug deal is this? I like to think of it. Sometimes you'll see this. I always feel this way when I go to Taco Bell. When you order a lot of food and they hand you, like at Taco Bell, the, the Taco Bell purse. Yes. Like the huge, not the small little cute little bag, but the like one with handles, handles and yeah. is wide, right? Hermes. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I hope no one's behind me and is watching me. I imagine they hand him back the leg in a plastic bag he still has. <laughs> um, and the person behind him is like, damn, he ordered a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> what did that cost him? An arm and a leg? I hate that you hit me <laughs> <laughs> laughing before I even processed the joke. I hope this is funny to everyone else because it's so rich <laughs> to me. Okay, so he has a drive. Th- he goes to the drive-thru. He picks up his leg. He has to figure out what he has to do with it. He understands that he cannot keep it in its current position. So he just does what I think is supernatural and chooses to just mummify it himself. So he wraps it in essentially the plastic screen of a screen door and then hangs it up in a tree for a couple days where it dries out. But he decides it's not a good long-term solution. No shit! He then drives it out in what is like kind of essentially like a smokehouse. Which is where you're supposed to preserve meat and essentially home mummifies it. Jesus Christ. It takes about six months to mummify. (laughs) Here's a fun story. Uh, (laughs) Casey and I went on a a walking ghost tour this last week with some of his coworkers and the guy who was leading the ghost tour, he was great, his name is Sage. He had all these crazy stories and like while we were walking from place to place he would tell like other he would just talk to us you know and so at one point he was telling i don't even know what brought it up but he was like i had this couple that was really great they were like a canadian couple they came down here and i gave them a ghost tour and they we just like got along really well so they invited me out to eat afterwards and so we went they went to this restaurant it was outside of the restaurant it was a haunted place is where it was and so that's why he kind of brought it up but he was like it was a great time and we were just talking about some of the haunted places that we've seen and that they've seen and then um, I, so I, it's time to order and I order a burger and they look at the menu and say, oh, we're actually vegan. So there's nothing here for us. <laughs> and so then he just has to sit there while he, and then his burger comes while these Canadian vegans are lecturing him on the ethics, ethics of <laughs> eating meat. And he's like, I, Okay, and he's like feeling really awkward, and like there were salads on the menu, to be fair, and they just didn't order them. Cheese on the side. Yeah, and so at some point they were like, but actually, like something that we have considered or like talked about at least is ethical cannibalism. (laughs) So they start talking to him about how it's like, it's actually really common for people to like who are like getting an amputation or like maybe just don't need that arm anymore. (laughs) To give it up to be eaten? Oh my god. It is like when you travel to Europe and you're like, I thought you people had it figured out, but you are just as lost as the rest of us, just on different issues. I know. And my favorite part of this whole story. What the fuck? No. Sage is telling us a story. He seems very nice. 
He seems like kind of like a climber dude that you would meet at the gym or meet at like a climbing gym, just like very, but also like down to earth, not like an annoying, like yeah, right. whatever. The, he then goes, so the, the logical solution for me was to go to the bathroom and sneak out the window. And what, leave him with the bill for the burger? Champ. I love it. Here's the thing. Canadians are wonderful. They're also <laughs> kind of weird a little bit. Not all of them, but they're not. You Every time you meet a Canadian, I think in my mind I'm about to meet someone from L.A. or New York. Because yeah. it's so progressive, mm -hmm. or at least compared to American yeah. national politics. But no. No, it's like the Midwest, no. but just like they're a little nicer. Or <laughs> I don't know what it is. Here's a little story. Um, we just can't turn this one into a video. Otherwise, it's totally fine. I am on a... Uh, ski trip up in Whistler, Canada. And there's heated pools, because of mm -hmm. course like people go there to ski. Yeah. So there's heated pools and everyone's jolly and having a good time. It's a resort town. Like there's not residents. Like yeah. <laughs> I think like the workers are living in like in dorm rooms on yeah, yeah, yeah. site. Yeah, yeah. And so this Canadian couple comes and this Canadian offers me basically like to the kids would call it like waterfall, some Jägermeister into my mouth and you just say yes when you're in that kind of situation. That's really if true. If I can give any life advice, it's don't listen to my life advice. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's also too, if you're like a big burly white male with 18 of your other friends, say yes to some of these mm -hmm. things, you know? Yeah, I get And so it. I do. And as I close my mouth, he slaps me across the face because I didn't say thank you fast enough, which I mean, he's right. I hadn't said it yet. I had been like kind of busy drinking Jägermeister. It was an incredible experience. I actually... Guts! You got Jaeger and slapped? I actually think that's how you're supposed to drink Jaeger. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like almost some abuse. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want it. Yeah, if I don't feel weird about myself after Jaegermeister, why did I drink licorice? <laughs> <laughs> Really true. Okay, so um, so this story would be really interesting if this whole story, back to the story, this whole story <laughs> would be really interesting if the story was just about this man and his attempts to at home mummify his own leg that he Horrifying. might have been given illegally. <laughs> that is Definitely not was given illegally. That is not at all the story that we're about to hear. I'm so confused. I, you, you kind of should be. So, um, oh. This is fun. Good on me. So it takes him about six months to preserve his leg in a smoker. Quick note, um, I have a family member who lost a leg. Did they mollify it? Uh, no. He <laughs> is a farmer, and he lost it in a farm accident. I will say this. I was raised with farmers. Mm -hmm. um, hardest, kindest working people. Yeah, this family member in particular, heart of gold. Some of my other uh, farming family members, also really kind. Don't ask them about their politics. But, <laughs> like, kind people who will drive through a snowstorm to bail you out yeah. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Work nonstop year-round, never kind of put themselves out there, truly humble people. Yeah. Which is why my family member who lost a leg is so funny <laughs> about the jokes he makes about having lost a leg. He goes, well, you'd be surprised how much money you save on socks. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the second one. My family member lost his left leg, and uh, he didn't tell me this in confidence. He's like playing a room when he told me this. He goes, well, yeah, it turns out you actually only need your right, and that's just for driving. <laughs> and then everyone kind of at the same yeah. time actually sticks their feet out, and you're like, oh, yeah, you do pivot with your right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so you don't really need your left at all for anything. <laughs> My family, my family member does two things now. One, still skis, still travels, not at all has any of this slowed him down. And two, gives speeches now because he's part of the local volunteer oh, cool. fire department. Yeah. He's not a public speaker, but he understands his like experience is important. Yeah. He's part of 
in rural counties, for those of us who don't know, there's no professional fire service. Mm, yeah. It's a volunteer fire mm. service where these people get training every now and then. Huh. And he's been part of that for forever. So now he travels around to local fire departments and lectures the volunteers on, well, basically like the tourniquet that saved his life and Damn. like other farm safety measures and things like that. That's he cool. He's an incredible man. Love him to yeah. death. Also... Hilarious. <laughs> Griffin and Taylor. Like Griffin and Taylor were talking about where they wanted to go for their honeymoon, and Griffin and Taylor are like, "Oh, you know, maybe Spain or like, you know, we did we did Italy right after we graduated college, so it might be cool to go back now that we're married." You know, we're just kind of playing it out. And my uncle goes, "Holy shit, we went to Branson." <laughs> <laughs> He's an amazing man. Real, just positive viewpoint on life. He's yeah. wonderful. Back to the story. Again, if it was just the loss of a leg, I think it's clear you and I have enough That's material funny. to figure it out. Yeah. But um, after six months and the leg is properly preserved, John Wood uh, has a life event happen and kind of changes his situation. And he needs to prepare to move, I believe, to Florida. Oh, Jesus. And so he kind of gathers up all of his stuff oh, Jesus. and puts it in a storage locker. Oh, no. And I mean all of his stuff. Including the leg? Including the leg. Which he puts in, and I don't know why. Oh no, I'm so scared. He puts his leg in a smoker, like a smoker grill. And then he puts that smoker grill in the storage facility. And That's it, a hilarious <laughs> prank to play on somebody. You don't even understand. <laughs> and then his mom is like, I will pay for the first three months of the storage facility so that way you can kind of get, get on your feet, feet where you're yeah. moving. But then after that, like, it's your job to pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. How old um, is he? At this point, I think he's in his mid to late 20s. Okay. He's had some highs and lows in his life at that Sounds point. Sounds like it. We're going to get into it later. He um, lost a leg and then asked to keep it. So clearly he's dealing with some emotional things. Um, here's a quote. This is how I was going to end this teaser portion because we're not even really into the story oh, yet. Oh, fucking hell. He goes, this is a quote from around that time. He goes, I've been shot, run over by a state dump truck, uh, <laughs> and electrocuted. I've been through some things. <laughs> That's a direct quote. I'm not making fun of this man. I am just quoting what he shared in this documentary. Sources are about to come Why in a second. Why is it shot and electrocuted Ooh. and then in between run over by a state, state dump, dump truck. truck? Do you know what my first thought was? Because my the curse of my history education degree mm -hmm. lives on forever. I'm like, wow. Are trash services a state-owned service <laughs> in North Carolina? Because I pay the city and county of yeah. Denver for us here. That's a big operation. And then, yeah, I was like, city's dump truck, I get it, but a state dump truck? Ooh, and then I was like, oh, was it like construction equipment? That would be crazy. <laughs> Anyways, so um, he puts all this stuff in a storage locker. Mom promises to pay for it for three months. Then it's John's turn. So three months comes, payment ends. John does not pick up the that payment. Tracks. And you know what happens gets, to the storage facilities. It gets auctioned off. Oh. Enter Shannon Wisnat, a man. Who's going to buy a smoker. Who is many things. And one of them is a man who loves to buy stuff at storage auctions. Oh, my God. So Shannon Wisnat purchases this locker, brings everything home opens up the smoker and finds what he thinks is driftwood and when he picks it up realizes it is 
way too heavy to be driftwood, sees the toes, and then calls the storage facility back and says, quote, you need to let everyone else you sold things to know that they need to check to see if they also have body parts in their stuff. Oh my God! Then Shannon talks to a couple of his family members and calls the police who arrive to collect the leg just to like kind of prove that he didn't yeah. kill anyone. And when the police arrive, the first thing Wisnat says is, well, I paid for it, so it's mine. Why? Girl, and, why? And Girl, what, why? And what we are about to talk about for the next hour is who is the legal owner of, of this a leg, leg that he bought at auctions. <laughs> what the fuck? Of a mummified, illegally delivered, sold in an auction leg and the fallout and repercussions it's going to have. The best part about all this is it's not even like a deceased person's no, leg. He's like still around. Florida. <laughs> like this feels like it should be a cold case, but no. Right. It's not how do you respect the remains of a deceased person. It is who owns the leg. leg. The legal person, the, the still alive man who lost it or the man who accidentally you know the best Stay way to start this story would be just Shannon buying the smoker, <laughs> <laughs> opening it. I thought so many ways, but I wanted to like layers of reveal, and it felt bad to go all at once. So Maya doesn't know this, this yet because we're going to record the title of this at the start. But I want you to know the that end. the title of this episode okay. is going to be "You're listening to Well I Laughed." Part one of Lost and Found, out on a limb. Get the fuck <laughs> out. So Get the fuck good. out. That's so We're good. not going to beat that. That is the best title that we will ever come up with. I know. It is when I came up with that title that I texted you last night. <laughs> Maya, you're going to love it. You're gonna love it. I've worked so hard to make you proud after the Ian Fleming episode. You're going to love it. Today's sources. Not <laughs> <laughs> on a limb. There's a 2016 article from NPR. There's a 2019 Where Are They Now article by Ranker. There are volumes of news coverage from 2004 to 2009 Jesus. over this issue. And I honestly would recommend it. It was really great. 90% of this episode is going to come from it. A documentary by uh, Brian Carberry and Clay Tweel titled... Finders Keepers. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Another phenomenal I title. Know. No. <laughs> I can't tell you how proud I am that you're proud of Out on a Limb. really good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just trying to rationalize buying a smoker, buying a discount smoker, from an auction being like, okay, it's pro it's got some wear and tear. It's been loved. You know, all right, let's see what this baby's got. Yeah. Open it. <laughs> leg. It's like, is there a raccoon? Is there a bird's yeah. nest? Is it broken inside? No. Okay. Leg. So, at one point, I actually have gone back and forth as to whether or not to say this, but this is a direct quote. At one point, Wisnat the man who yep. buys it, he uses the phrase, quote, so people can see the cholesterol drip out of it. 
Also, John Wood is like oh a relatively God. fit man. Like he's like kind of trim. Ouch. <laughs> Part of me is like, wait, is that what you're sweating? Is it, is it cholesterol? It actually raised so many questions. I'm so traumatized. I also want to point out that I that both Shannon Wisnat and John Wood, at least in the documentary Finders Keepers, at at least two, three, four different occasions, acknowledge the humorous undertones Good. of the story. I am not being disrespectful and laughing they're at something like, why they the aren't. Fuck? <laughs> a little bit. Well, they're very complicated people, as yeah. like I'm sure is that shocking anybody, right? It's just giving Tiger King back. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> this might be my Tiger King. I want you to know. It is not a dead female author. It is something in every way possible different. Yeah. <laughs> still going to unpack some really interesting stuff. They acknowledge how hilarious and interesting and like kind of like people interest story yeah. it is. I'm not laughing at something that they themselves have not laughed at. That also hopefully lets you breathe out and lets you enjoy this story. There are going to be moments of seriousness where we talk about some of the underlying currents. But this is supposed to be a funny episode. <laughs> and that is not a tone that I have set, but like from what I have gathered from the lots of media yeah. that surrounds all of this. So, so let's get into it. And the first thing I want to talk about is... So they interviewed John Wood's siblings, the Wood siblings. Uh, he has like a sister and a brother. And then I believe that sister has a daughter who's mm. also in there. And they are filmed in the best way I can describe it as a farm kitchen. Oh. One that I like essentially spiritually recognized from my own childhood. Yeah. Growing up, mom and dad would bring us to our aunts and uncles, mm -hmm. almost all of whom were farmers. And while every kitchen was different, no, Same it wasn't. Vibe, you yes. know, mm -hmm. it was like like humble but like decorated and intentionally decorated but also like you could see like the utilitarianism of it there's like some knickknacks there's like a little rooster or a pig couple that are like mm -hmm, your salt mm -hmm, and pepper shakers mm -hmm. and watching it even when they were talking about the sad aspects of the story i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> there's a certain like element of like real coziness yeah, to no, all I of get it. it and also a lot of wood paneling and like wood um, it's like the original live laugh love but it's like crushed or cross stitch 100 yeah. percent. and then all of the wood is stained as dark as possible yep. Yep. i can only imagine the amount of lights they had to bring into that kitchen to get any kind of usable footage at all <laughs> so we're gonna jump into it the leg what's that story and who asks for their leg at yeah. the start of the surgery. Yeah. So, um, John Wood admits, oh, that scared the shit out of me for a second. I was so into the story and trying to structure it, I had lost touch with reality. One time I, every, every once in a while I take a nap and then they do that and it scares the living shit out of me. Wait, but you think like it's home invasion. <laughs> No, I just, I, it's never once been a home invasion. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> That's good to all hear. the time. <laughs> all right. So John Wood wants to keep the leg. He mm -hmm. grows an attachment to it in no small part because that leg is a physical representation of the last day and the last moments he had with his father, who by all accounts, he had mm -hmm. a close, if not complicated relationship with. Yeah. As John Wood said, quote, I'm reminded of that crash every day. I wake up, I put on this prosthetic, and I'm reminded of it every day. So to a certain degree, I think the leg was supposed to be kind of like an homage, a memorial, like a symbol of that day that connects him, but also his dad to it. I'm not here to question motives, but every single person who is interviewed about John Wood and his desire to keep the leg is basically like, 
the leg represents the day he lost his dad. And it's like emotionally important to him for that reason. And that's fair. That's not to say I get it. <laughs> Thank you for saying that part out loud. I was like, mm, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my sister did give me a bag of cat hair <laughs> that I have kept now for a decade. So I cannot judge. I can't judge. I can't. You never know what's going to mean, mean something to somebody. I can't you know? question it like a little bit. Like, Am I the asshole for keeping my leg? But no, <laughs> I don't know if we can keep that. We're in the story now. It's All right. fine. So John Wood has an emotional attachment to this leg. He was in the Marines for a little bit. He had a close relationship with his dad. Um, he has a mom who complicated relationship with. John Wood over this decade goes through a lot of stuff, highs and lows for sure. Mm-hmm. We're going to put a pause on John Wood for a second. We're going to come back to it. Because what I also need to do right now is kind of illuminate you on the kind of man would call dibs on, a, on leg. a leg that he bought. Yes. Here's a quote. Here's a quote. Oh, Jesus. We're no longer talking about John Wood. We're talking about Shannon Wisnett. Yeah. I saw him at the bar. He had on shorts, no shirt, and a cowboy hat. And I thought, who is this guy? Ah! Mrs. Lisa Wisnett. <laughs> His wife. Well, God bless her, seems lovely and, like, fairly normal on the sliding scale of this story, <laughs> and seems to deeply understand who her husband is. And that, we love that. Yeah, and kind of, like, always loved his charm and eccentricity. Like, in the way that, like, there is somebody out there for everybody. Can you imagine if this scenario was, <laughs> back to the Am I the Asshole from last week for all of our listeners, if this scenario was the husband and wife that had the storage unit? <laughs> The self-control I had to have an hour ago to not do any foreshadowing, just for you, just for you, as to what this was about. I want you to know right now, listeners, I want you to know this too. I can keep a secret. (laughs) He can. If I can understand the importance, I can keep the secret. Okay, so. um, (laughs) Jesus. Okay, so you meet Shannon Wisnat in this documentary at his own home, and he is in this like bizarro Charlie and the Chocolate Factory world of his own creation that is essentially like a shed. Because Shannon Wisnat is a wheeler and a dealer. He is always looking to make a buck and illuminating this entire shed. <laughs> I'm so You're going to lose it. I'm You're so scared. Illuminating this entire shed is a chandelier <laughs> made out of plastic legs. Get the fuck out! Created, Get the fuck out! That he created himself. And that's on branding! <laughs> what? <laughs> This is the second week in a row we've made a chandelier reference, but this is one that I can finally explain. What? And and he just he points at it and he goes, I made that. <laughs> and I remember pausing the video and I was like, write that down, write that down. <laughs> I'm like typing furiously, I'm like rewinding. I am Yeah, so Shannon Wisnat, he's a wheeler dealer. He the is a big fuck? talker. You he's kind of always trying to talk in or out of anything. You can tell he's a man always looking for an edge. At least in the videos they prevent present and the way he presents himself he describes himself as like a smart tactile businessman mm. and i actually don't know where i fall on whether or not i agree or disagree <laughs> with that. i watched 90 minutes of this man really unsure as to whether or not i disagree with that or not 
<laughs> so he has a leg chandelier in his garage. He also clearly does not like Mr. Wood. Within the first 30 minutes oh. of the documentary, he had this weird monologue about how popular John Wood was growing up. And John Wood's dad would like buy them like go-karts and they had like a basketball court and like a basement kind of like racetrack for cars and things like that. And Shannon Wisnat says, everybody who was anybody had their birthday parties at the Wood House growing up. I was never invited. So I guess I'm a nobody. So, so why the fuck do you have this man's leg and think, refuse to give it up? I think you know the answer. He He's a mean girl. He wants to be somebody? <laughs> like, what? Yes, that's, that is, that, Shannon Wisnat will say multiple times of this. I guess that his opening quote, his opening quote, I've always been famous. It's just now everyone is finding me. I stand by it. That's you. In a way, okay, that's so shocking because what I was about to say is, as an educator of youth, it's really interesting and <laughs> easy to read Shannon Wisnat. We're going to get more into this later. He is an intriguing man, which isn't to mean he's a man whose soul is a mystery. But his yeah. actions are really interesting. <laughs> so the police come and take the leg away from Shannon no Wisnat. No shit. Yeah, right. that's human remains. Right. Shannon Wisnat furious. Does he know at this point that it's John Woods? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Mm. That part actually wasn't made clear. He knows he bought it. Yeah. And it's his. <laughs> and um, that's all. So the police take it, immediately determine that it's like not foul play. It's weird, but it's not a murder. <laughs> um, and they give it to like the mortuary in town. And this is where the initial conflict arises. Shannon Wisnat goes to this mortuary in Maiden, North Carolina, and essentially like blows up at the morgue person and is like, give me back my leg. And the mortuary person is like, you have both of them, sir. <laughs> yes, several people were like, oh God, you, you don't even, listen, the way, where this story's going, you're queuing in on it. Oh, hell yeah. So the mortuary, because it's a small town, the mortuary calls... John Wood's sister. Because remember, John Wood's in Florida. Yeah. And I was like, hey, here's the situation. We were able to get him to go because we called the cops, but he's like clearly going to come back. And so, um, I can't jump ahead. Um, the, <laughs> the initial conflict blows up when the mortuary won't give Shannon John's leg. <laughs> the leg Shannon believes he bought fairly. John Wood's sister is called at the time by the mortuary and describes this incident later as, quote, this is a direct quote, it's just fuckery and shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wisnat leaves the mortuary on a mission to, quote, find a judge crazy enough to grant him possession, which in the rural South, I do believe exists. Yeah, I do believe there is one of them. So John Wood rushes back to North Carolina and the meeting, the first meeting over leg ownership of the leg happens in the parking lot of the Dollar General across the street from the storage facility um, oh that originally God. sold it. There's a ton of media there to cover the interaction and both John Wood and Shannon Wisnat do their own recounts of that interaction and I will say both of them do pretty solid impersonations of the other <laughs> pretty funny impersonations of the other one happening in this Dollar General and then later in this interview okay so oh my God. 
God. That's like kind of the initial blow up over everything. Uh -huh. At one point in the Dollar General parking lot, John Wood is like, what's going on? And Shannon Wisnat, one of them is like, maybe we should meet in private to talk about this. Yeah. And I think they both kind of agree to it. And because they meet in private, they both leave with their own versions of the story oh. as to what was said, what was agreed to, and who actually possesses the leg. Not who rightfully owns the leg, who? but who possesses it is left in the air. Jesus Christ. We're going to come back to that in a second. What a... Because... What a wild yeah, thing to waste your time on. Any like, reactions so far? I want to I know, know the number of tax dollars that were spent on this exact case. I need to know. I Well, not surprisingly, this case is going to generate some some tourism dollars. So I do actually think it kind of pays for, it for itself, itself in the end. Um, I oh, started, does he display the leg? I, I, all in good time, my friend. All in good time. <laughs> I also, because I, I said this to you maybe off air, that I had a bunch of different ideas that I thought I was going to run with, and then they all collapsed. And at like 9.45 last night, started to develop what I believe medically is a slow building panic attack. Because <laughs> I knew we were going to record today, and I did not have what I thought I had. You can always move the recording. What, and lower my own expectations of myself? Okay. You could do no wrong. I can do, <laughs> I can do no right. Same. <laughs> Middle child syndrome. <laughs> I don't know, trauma We're such syndrome. good business partners. Both of us are like, no, no, you're perfect. <laughs> You are, are like, this podcast is so good. We're like, haha, thanks, it's all them. I'm a fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, ownership of the leg is left in doubt. I started this documentary that I found. So at 945, I'm like in shambles. I'm like, let's make a pot of coffee. We can stay up all night. We can kind of like movie day the next day. I want to put this together. I know it's out there. I'm on the edge. And I also know, even if I don't make the pot of coffee, I'm not going to be able to go to bed if mm -hmm. I haven't settled on this. Yeah. I need to have some kind of closure around something. this. something, yeah. Within 40 minutes, I have pulled together so much stuff and I'm renting on Amazon Prime <laughs> this documentary. And I'm watching it and I'm gripped. It's 11, it's 11 p.m. when I'm at the Dollar General meeting. And, <laughs> and so the documentary shifts again. Yeah. It like kind of breaks out and expands the scope a little bit. Yeah. We're no longer talking about Shannon Wisnat and John Wood. We're now talking about John Wood's family. Okay. Because remember, the leg is generated and while the leg is legitimately and recognized as a hilarious story. Yes. The leg itself comes from a deeply painful moment. Place for him. For the entire Wood family. Yeah. Quote, um, the crash clearly shook the family to the core. There is death, there is pain and recovery for John himself and the second brother who was in it but was less injured. There is just all of this grief wrapped up in it. And then John Wood's mom pops up on the screen and talks about it and she says this I get why people find it funny oh it's a leg and a smoker ha ha yes correct <laughs> but it's a story born of a tragedy and what I lost I didn't lose a leg I lost my husband yeah in the documentary John Wood discusses what it was like to get out of the hospital and battle with an addiction that was made worse because the doctors prescribed him mm. Oxycontin. Oh my God. Because it's 2004. It's 2004. 
we don't understand the heroin epidemic that's about to come its way. We don't understand the like incredibly addictive nature of these pills. Right. John Wood, by his own confession in the documentary, had battled with addiction tendencies in the past, was Mm. maybe kind of getting clean, and now survives the crash, has deep, I think it's pretty clear, survivor's guilt. Yeah. Um, Physically, his body has suffered a lot of trauma. Yeah. He cannot take care of himself, and now he's being prescribed medical heroin, essentially, Mm. and redevelops an addiction. As John Wood says, the 18 months after the crash... That's what almost killed me. Yeah, I can um, imagine. And so I want us just to remember for a second that, like, while all this craziness is going on, and John Wood is at least in part actively part of the craziness, yes. underneath it there's this whole family right, that is both suffering from the fact that this is constantly being brought up right. and that the thing that's being brought up is maybe the saddest thing that has happened to that family to date so far. Yeah. I need... I, I understand why the leg is so important. I'm just curious as to why it was the leg, you know, like mm-hmm. at what point, why did John, why at, at any point was John like, this is the thing that I need to hold on to. Right. Like, was there no other knickknack or like anything else that he could have held on to that was like more. I'll say know. this. And maybe this was good. I don't know. The family seems to accept right away that the leg is an important symbol for John. Yeah. They don't seem to question it all. At no point is anyone like, did it have to be leg? That's not to say that like John Wood should like forget about the leg no. and that the leg can just belong That's to whoever. That's good family. Like, right. Yeah. But it is, yeah, they're just like, this was a big important thing to him. It represented that day in whatever that day meant. So keep Jesus. that in mind as we jump to this next part. Oh, Jesus. Because you leave that Dollar General meeting... And while John Wood now has some family stuff to work through, Shannon Wisnat has some money to make. <laughs> Shannon Jesus. Wisnat starts talking all sorts of trash on local media. He calls John Wood's father, who was piloting the plane and died in the crash, quote, this is a direct quote from Shannon Wisnat, oh, no. a hillbilly pilot on local radio television. All right, Shannon. Which only drums up more engagement, more yeah. curiosity. He's an edgelord before there's edgelords. It's 2004 going into 2005. No, it's probably 2005 now going into 2006. Um, he's also claiming that he has a business deal with John Wood. So Shannon Wisnat, claiming all of that, starts selling shirts, launches his own oh merch God. line. He even pushes his website... <laughs> Footsmoker.com, regrettably, at least last night, not a still up online. I hope they rebranded. But if you, <laughs> it was a foot and a smoker. It is direct messaging. Go ahead and pause us if you want, or keep us in your ear. But just go ahead and Google Footsmoker.com in some non-work computer. <laughs> what... Open up that incognito. I want you to know I had gotten all the way to the ER in smoker on my work computer. And then you're where like, I was oh, like, oh, no, 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 wait, no. Wait, wait, wait. I'm either right or I'm wrong, and I do not know which is worse right now. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Phone time. Phone, phone, phone time. We're going to Google that. Um, so, uh... Footsmoker.com, at least for me last night. Unfortunately, not still around. Um, and then Shannon Wisnat, as the documentary like unpacks all this, has this, again, amazing quote where Shannon Wisnat goes, they made me sound like the bad guy. Shannon Wisnat's going around Bro. drinking for free on the story and telling 
Every bartender in town, hey, if the media shows up asking if you have my contact information, here it is. Feel free to give it to them. <laughs> I would love to be contacted. That is actually why I launched Footsmoker.com and why I want everyone to be able. Imagine being approached at a bar yeah. by a shirtless man in shorts and a cowboy hat right. saying, You want to check out my website? <laughs> Footsmoker.com. They had hats, not even terrible ones for this kind of this area. <laughs> I think we should get into hats. If Shannon Wisnat can get in the hats in 2005, if we could get into we hats. We can get in the hats. It's funny now. Imagine that plain text across it. It would be great. Think about all the gay people who would wear it to clubs. It's funny now. I would wear right. that. Yeah, black, white lettering. You can see it already. TM, TM, TM. It's ours, it's ours, it's ours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's like handing out his contact information, and the whole thing he's peddling is that if you want to see the leg, in the smoker. Oh, for fuck's sake. Let me ask you this question. As a person who's now gone on two ghost tours <laughs> in the last two months, how much would you pay to see a real home mummified human leg in an old smoker? I'd be too paranoid of like just tricksters, you know? Sure. Oh, a fake. That I just wouldn't believe that it was real, so I wouldn't I don't think I would pay for it. Gotcha. Well in two thousand five, Shannon Wisnat believed it was worth about three dollars for adults, one dollar for kids. For three dollars I would go. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Well also you have to keep in mind it's two thousand five, so for three dollars you can buy a home. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta throw in that blueberry. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> We are just days away from the 2007 yeah. financial crisis when homes become free. Um, yep. And then we stop building them all together. And that's how and America now works. now we can't afford a home. Exactly. And now I own more land than anyone else in my friend group. <laughs> and I believe it's time I start being called Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching too much Downton Abbey. We know. Not a limit, but it's been a lot. Um, okay. So, but at this time, as all this time, as Wisnat is selling footsmoker.com and footsmoker merch and going on there saying $3 for adults, $1 for kids to see it, John Wood owns and has the leg. It is in John Wood's possession. Yes. I knew it. At, basically, Shannon Wisnat had this leg for like an afternoon. Before the police came and took it. And, and then they gave it to the morticians. To... And then the mortician gave it to the Wood family. Wisnat's going around pretending he has the leg, offering to show it to people, telling the news he has it, coming up with excuses as to why you can't see it, selling merch and stuff, footsmoker.com. He does not have the leg. That's fucking hysterical. I know it is. I hate, I hate men. <laughs> Yeah, so as I wrote in my notes, by the, at this time, John Wood has the leg and has basically had it since the confrontation in the Dollar General parking That's lot. That's hysterical. Um, also, this is just, there was no other more natural place to put this in the note, so it's going to go here. This documentary is cut back, so they made it in 2016 or 2015, and I think it premiered in 2016. So in 2015, you have a lot of what was then at the time, like contemporary 2015 interviews with these people and then mm -hmm. it would shoot back to news coverage from a decade ago and so they shoot to an interview with john wood um in 2015 and john wood is talking about this time and how he has the leg in his own possession and he is smoking a stone carved pipe and drinking what looks like a diet coke out of a spongebob square pants wine glass <laughs> I don't know if I'm rooting for him or not. 
<laughs> he, he was a man deeply comfortable in his own home, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I think I'm jealous. <laughs> what is the emotion that Listen, I'm feeling right now? Confusion? Finders Keepers, it's on Amazon. Please finish the episode. That's important for our downloading numbers. But also, <laughs> go watch this if you're curious. If you want to see what these people are like, it's what a compelling documentary. Look? It's... It's a wild look, but honestly, that's one of John Wood's best interviews <laughs> in the entire documentary. Can we dress up as him for Halloween um, tomorrow? <laughs> yes. Honestly, what's so tough is that, like, unlike Tiger King, at least John Wood has, like, a very generic look, right? Yeah. He just looks like a country man from North Carolina. Shannon was not also kind of, but just a little bit more on the edgier side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also at this time where Shannon Wisnat is... Not at the peak of his world, but it's absolutely on the last leg of his climb to the peak for mm. his world. And they have some interviews, and there's this quote from Shannon Wisnat. I need you to stay with me. I need you to listen closely as I say this quote. It took me four minutes to, type. to get it right. <laughs> Anytime you can do something fun, you like to do, and you make money doing it, then hey, that's a win win win. And when you're win-win-winning, you're win-win-winning. But when you're just win-winning, that's just winning or win-winning. But when you're win-win-winning, you're win-win-winning. Shannon Wisnat. <laughs> Not a lie. Not a single lie in that. Maybe the no, first... Like, the like first that's- He's not wrong. Maybe the first time in the entire documentary, Wisnat told objectively the truth. It does sound like, for a while, my ex, the one that maybe had some drug problems but also like couldn't sleep, uh, after we broke well, up, I laughed, Lore. Yeah, after we broke up, he started a blog, which was mm. fucking hilarious sure to me and all my like girlfriends that were like, I don't know realizing how horrible he was. When you break up with a person, only two things can happen. You still appreciate the person they are yeah. and you root from from the sidelines. Or them ordering a burger is the cringiest, funniest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> and they're losers that you will laugh at forever. Here's the thing is that I was rooting for him for a while and then I stopped because I realized that it wasn't worth it. Was well, that because you were win-win-winning and when you're win-win-winning, you're, you're win-win-win-winning? Win, yeah, but that is exactly <laughs> something that he would write. One time he did, he was on, he tripped on like acid or something and I, we had gotten into a massive fight that night while he was like, I was drunk and he was like on whatever. Right. And then the next morning we like, reconciled because we were both like that was fucking stupid right Right. and then he was like yeah and then i sat there while he then found printer paper and a pen and then explained to me (laughs) how people get close to each other by drawing little stick figures and lots of circles on a piece of paper and that's what that felt like to me (laughs) and that's what his whole blog was and i wish it was still active by the time i got to the end of it which took actually forever because a lot of wins i was yes when i was rewinding it and a couple times i rewinded it i rewound it and it was hard for me to pick out where in the quote i was because it's just one word conjugated differently (laughs) for 22 words in a row (laughs) so i had to like kind of actually rewind it to like oh because he says all this as his hair is getting cut by the way oh yeah (laughs) all about that his hair is just getting cut and he's just kind of teeing off is this the documentary or the news it's the documentary okay so what document i think they kind of started to film them 
during it. And so there's some film from that. Also, this is this was the thing I was going to say earlier. I'm just going to mention it now. For a little bit, Shannon Wisnat is cast in the AMC uh, reality show Dukes of Haggards, which, or of haggling, it's like a haggling reference. So I'm not entirely sure if it's from that or if it's from at the time or if it's from 2015 when Shannon Wisnat still believes he's on top of the world. I followed none of what you just said. <laughs> you said Dukes of Haggard, Haggard yes. and I, you lost me. Which, is, of course, is a Duke of Hazards motif because yes. we love a little wordplay, even if it's lost on others. And so that is, it's in this chair in this like pink salon getting his hair cut, which didn't know. Why is this not bigger? I don't know. Because it didn't come out in 2020. That's why. That's That's 100%. That's literally why. I wouldn't be able to do the story otherwise. Yeah. Right? Like it's. And so it is in that moment he gives this quote. So yeah, I'd have to back the quote up all the way to him entering the salon and then kind of wait for the moment where I'd gotten to the line and be like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, rewind, rewind. And I had to kind of like wait and pounce. One last time, because it's so good. It's so funny. Anytime you can do something fun you like to do and make money doing it, then hey, that's a win-win-win. Shut up. That's a perfect quote. Shut up right there. And it's <laughs> a perfect end. quote. It's honestly decent life advice I'd give a sophomore who's gotten really into weightlifting recently. Mm. That, But he does it. There's two more sentences. <laughs> that's that are a win, all win, like, win. that's like 80% one <laughs> word. <laughs> and when you're win-win-winning, you're win-win-winning. But when you're just win-winning, that, that means you're just winning or, or win-winning. But when you win-win-win... You're win-win-winning. Please just look at the quote on my phone. It's like a block of text, and all of the words are like three letters long. The longest thing I have ever written on any of my notes is this quote. Okay. So, Shannon Wisnat, he is an interesting guy. He has a certain <laughs> POV. He believes he rightfully owns a, a leg, leg he found in a storage Which locker. Which he now is making money on not having? Correct. And telling no one that part of the truth. All, all characters have their origin story. This next part is not at all to justify this man kind of dragging the Woods family continually yeah. through one of the it's worst days of their life. just not something he should be doing. Right. I want to point out that John Wood calls Shannon Wisnat his own personal antichrist ah. at the start of this episode. That was the John Wood quote. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you don't become Shannon Wisnat with maybe without a couple of like inputters into it. So... Shannon was not again. This is not me sharing things that they have not said directly into a camera that they then were fine publishing. Yeah. Um, Shannon with Shannon Wisnat's father, whose name is Carol. It was like a tradition, I guess, to have what we would assume female names. Yeah. For these men, that was a wild fact to discover. Um, Shannon sh- and Carol. Yes. Well, Carol beat the shit out of Shannon. Oh. Um, as Shannon said. Uh, he was whooped by his father so hard repeatedly that it was common for him to be unable to breathe by the time it got to the Holy end. Holy shit! Yeah, and Shannon Wisnat is like, you're not supposed to do that to a kid. No, you're not. So you combine that with like a really sounds like tough and abusive home life mm-hmm. with the fact that Shannon Wisnat clearly knew who John Wood was, who the fam- mm. Wood family was, and never felt like he was part of that crew. Um, 
he mentioned several times that the Wood family is like pretty comfortable. And while Shannon Wisnat certainly seems to live in a place that he's comfortable now, and Shannon had like built a home that he liked, it's it's clear that their financial resources are not the same. Right. And that he, Shannon Wisnat, is aware of that. Right. And so there's like this jealousy. I mean, John Wood's father was loved in the community. And Shannon Wisnat's father, that's the only time in the entire documentary he talks about him at all. Mm. And so and so it becomes complicated. What you see throughout the entire show Wisnat is clearly looking how to make a buck and then also at the same time how to get people to like him right and I think he has a lot of stuff going on what you kind of start to establish very early on is that Shannon Wisnat learned as a child that getting people to laugh is a quick way to get them to like you yeah even if it means making them laugh at you they can like you. Because before all of this happened, before he was famous for the leg, Shannon Wisnat went on Jerry Springer. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. I don't know. Why was that his conclusion? Also, it wasn't like he's there with Mrs. Wisnat. It was just one of those moments where like Jerry Springer would put like 20 people on a stage and the audience would mock them and then they would like try to fight the audience. A younger Shannon Wisnat goes on Jerry Springer gets roasted in the this is back in the 90s and like then has to defend himself what, what the fuck what kind is, of show is that <laughs> i mean it looked pretty good also you got to remember the 90s the 90s were nuts like without <laughs> it's not like there was tiktok right you could really just kind of throw someone up there and be like look it's entertainment <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just bullying on a larger exactly. scale exactly it's not content creators it's jerry swinger so he got 20 people who seemed kind of unhinged and got his audience to make fun of him and hired 100 security guards filmed it aired it Perfect business plan. I mean, yeah, I, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, it's clear, like, the other side of this coin, this man that's hurt and wounded and expresses that in ways that are abusive to people, also loves performing. And the people who are close mm. to him, like, do you clearly love him? Like, at no point does his wife ever really say anything bad about him. And she's not necessarily meek or mild either. I wouldn't necessarily right. call her outspoken, but, I mean... Obviously, you never know what a relationship's like on the inside, mm -hmm. but from the outside, both Seems his mom and his wife seem to kind of adore him. And he, every time he's like in a bar, granted, there's like cameras trailing him because they're filming the documentary, but he seems popular and he's making people laugh. Maybe not the most most popular guy, yeah, but like he loves performing. He does legitimately get laughs out of people, and he talks about that. So, Shannon Wisnat does a great job of keeping himself in the news. John Wood then feels compelled to put himself in the news to clarify what's going on. Yeah. John Wood also feels compelled to put himself in the news because the news will pay him for his appearances. And then John Wood would spend that money on drugs by huh. John Wood's own admittance. Men will literally... <laughs> Men will literally become famous over their sold mummified leg, then go to therapy. Men will literally <laughs> claim ownership of a mummified leg that That's is not, not theirs, theirs <laughs> instead of go to therapy. What the fuck is this? At one point, either John or John's brother, I forget who, at one point John or John's brother says, you know, whenever John was on TV... His dealer was at his door before the episode was over. 
like there to it is yeah. rough and it's a known addictive personality coupled with probably survivorship guilt coupled with i mean we understand today that addiction is like a medical disease mm-hmm. much more than it is like maybe one individual choice right seems like he has a lot of things therapy could have helped with it does ptsd survivors guilt. it's also the yeah. south in 2006 2007 yeah you know i mean so there's a lot going on there's a lot and so to kind of help pay for all of this Shannon Wisnat and John Wood agree to appear together on a German late night talk show. Jesus Christ. (laughs) German? German. They fly him to Europe. (laughs) Does it come on before or after the sad toast flying (laughs) into the solar system? I will say this. I don't know when it came on in the evening programming, but from the setup, it's clearly the like David Letterman, Stephen Colbert, the late show of Germany. Of Germany? Yes. Oh, and then at one point, and this is the first time you actually see it in the documentary, like 50 minutes in, John Wood just shows the leg on television. Horrific. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Yeah, it's a mummified like, leg. Like a terrible car accident. You cannot look at it, and yet you cannot pull how, yourself away. How did he get that through TSA? I, I do not know. What TSA agent had to check <laughs> that bag? Like, did you mail it? How can you? It's human remains. I know. And how did? Even if you got it through U.S. security, you then have to talk to. German security. I, I want Germany finds you a year's salary for stealing <laughs> a, a mug. stein out of Oktoberfest. Well, we have to prove that you have the leg mummified. I mean, you know, there's business sense to be had. What the um, fuck? It's the best way I can describe the way that the leg looks like on this late night show, captured in 2007, you know, video <laughs> quality at the time. The best way to describe this leg that they show on late night German television is like a roasted suckling pig. But you know how when you roast it, they kind of dry out a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So imagine that texture, but somehow it's bloated. (laughs) (laughs) Especially around the ankle, which made me feel seen. (laughs) (laughs) We love some cankle actions on our King Tut. Exactly. And so John Wood and Shannon Wisnat are in the same green room together in Germany for a late night show eating caviar and showing the world his home mummified leg. What? And then John Wood returns home and is homeless. Because his drug addiction is that bad. Oh, no. It's the insane duality of this story where he's like huge and like famous and at the Mm. same time like really struggling personally. And I wanted to add that because this next chapter is so interesting. Just lean in, trust my and I for a second, and listen to this next part. So he's homeless, Mm -hmm. suffering from a drug addiction, in need of money at all times. Yeah. And so when John Wood gets a letter from the Judge Greg Mathis show... The fuck? Inviting the, the Judge Judy, yeah. but Greg Mac- Mathis is like the black male version of that. Inviting John Wood onto the show. So him and Shannon Wisnat on reality television. You can't say no. Can determine yeah. the legality of it, of the leg. John Wood says yes. Yeah. But John Wood also says yes. And I do not know how this works in America's justice system. Yeah. 
But the findings are essentially permanent and unappealable. So for John Wood, it was a way to kind of like fully settle the whole like ownership and possession situation. What a bananas thing. <laughs> Imagine you're like a little high, you're just slipping through the channels and you stumble across people, two grown ass men arguing about the ownership of a mummified leg. Right, so they go on. So John, yeah. so John Wood and Shannon Wisnat go on the Judge Greg Mathis show. Um, Shannon Wisnat goes on to the Judge Greg Mathis show and claims that he quote, wants the leg back and is also suing money that he claims he lost by not having the leg. Shannon Wisnat has now traveled the world on this story. Maya, how much money do you think <gasps> Shannon Wisnat claimed to have lost? Oh God, it's gotta be in the millions. Correct, $5,000. <laughs> what? <laughs> Shannon Wisnat claims that not possessing the leg. Lost him $5,000. Cost him $5,000. What? At least make it like dramatic. Nope, nope, nope. nope. I don't know if there's a cap on how much you can ask on the Judge Greg Mathis show. I want to see his math (laughs) because I believe that he. Think about it. What he's saying is basically he didn't have any money from the $3 for adult, $1 for children. He also had missed, I think, by that point, and he says this like two Halloweens. You don't get it, Your Honor. That's a really high traffic time exactly. to and see it, mummified legs. And it's a rural town, and so there's not a lot of people, and they can get some traffic, but it's not like you're gonna leave Charlotte to go there. Now, granted, five thousand dollars in two thousand seven was all the money in the world, but five thousand divided by three is one thousand one thousand six hundred and sixty-six. Yeah, the entire population of Maiden, North Carolina. Six six six. Um, so oh he goes God. on and claims that. F- oh, your mom the- accepted my follow request. On Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> She's going to comment and like on everything. Good. She loves, she loves love. She loves love. Well, so Apple didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> no, she, no, I'm actually still attached to the tree. I think in some ways. Very much connected to the tree. Love we it. talked yesterday. <laughs> um, so. Shannon Wisnat speaks first. He is like the prosecution or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, it's my leg. I want the leg back and I want $5,000 for the money I've lost yeah. for not having the leg. <laughs> and before Judge Greg Mathis says anything, he makes Shannon Wisnat step out from behind the podium and he looks at him and he goes, well, it doesn't look like you need another leg. <laughs> <laughs> that... Really good. Best comeback. Really good. 2007 television, fantastic. How many times he practiced that in the mirror? Oh, I know. Because you probably have to know a little bit about what's going on. (laughs) But then you get like reality star Judge Greg Mathis, truth teller. So to Shannon Wisnat's face, he calls Wisnat essentially a fame seeker and has been terrorizing poor John Wood. I mean, yeah. Uh, He calls Wisnat a liar for selling all of that merch, claiming he had the leg when he didn't. Ultimately, (laughs) ultimately, Judge Mathis grants Wisnat the $5,000 he claimed and lost money. (laughs) Um, 
but clearly names John Wood as the rightful yeah. owner of the leg. And what's really interesting to know is that in court shows like Judge Judy and yeah. Judge Mathis, the show pays any financial settlement. So the Judge Greg Mathis show Paid him. gave Shannon Wisnat $5,000. John Wood did not have to pay Shannon Wisnat. Yeah. I want to make yeah. sure that's super clear. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Judge Greg Mathis actually turns out to be a really cool guy. Yeah. Um, but anyways, they then shoot back in the documentary to an interview of Wisnat remembering that day. Oh, God. And Wisnat tears up oh, when fuck he you. relives the attention he got walking out of the studio. I mean, same. It is at this time that he's then kind of cast in Dukes of Haggards, where um, <laughs> he realizes maybe him being the leg man is more of like humiliating than it is, but maybe it's not. He has, I think, not the time he wants on Duke of Haggards, and I don't think he lasts long on it. Um, and then that is the end, essentially, of Shannon Wisnat's TV career, et cetera, et cetera. Because you gotta branch out. You gotta be more than just the leg guy. Right, especially when you... Gotta you, get an arm in there. Especially when you don't own the leg. know. Okay. <laughs> get some prosthetics, man. Like, you can make an epoxy guy that just, you know... So... Oh, like a, an inflatable wavy arm man for just a little fan. Just you could get. We are one, making fan of Shun, Shannon Wisnat right now. That is who we're making. But fun you of. could paint it like a leg. <laughs> you could oh. get all those lamps that have the leg with like the the fishnet in the pot. <laughs> There's so many details that each one of them is crazy in their own way that you just kind of don't include yeah. them all. In the pilot episode oh, of God. Duke of Haggards, which again, not entirely sure if it... Then I did not have enough time to investigate Duke of Haggards. Yeah. Um, the one item Shannon Wisnat haggards over and sells at an auction is the leg lamp from A Christmas Story. Get the fuck out! <laughs> that makes me so no, happy, wait, though! Wait for it, because he's like Shannon Wisnat, the leg man, and they interview the man who buys the lamp. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, it's like a classic story, the Christmas story, I wanted the lamp. And he so doesn't even know! He goes up to Shannon Wisnat to collect it, and Shannon Wisnat's like, hey man, I just wanted you to appreciate you buying my item. Do you want me to sign it for you? And the guy goes, no. <laughs> Oh my god! And also, like, because you're kind of watching it all happen on the documentary, you're like, oh my god, what is going on? Um, in retrospect, that was the stone that broke the glass house. Wisnat thinks he's like this, and like the proof in the pudding comes to him. He shakes his hand, and he's like, no, I don't want your autograph. I just want the lamp. Yeah. And it's like, oh like, no! Oh, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. So imagine having an ego that fragile. I date gay men. <laughs> I don't have to imagine it. <laughs> it's okay for me to say it. I'm heartbroken. I'm kidding. Always. He's yeah. always a little heartbroken. We'll never get over anything ever. ever. Yeah. Um <laughs> Happy Fall. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so uh I'm now gonna say this next sentence. The Judge Greg Mathis episode changes John Wood's life in two huge and kind of moving ways. First, when John Wood goes on to the, the show mm -hmm. to film his episode, he's so clearly unwell 
and oh. strung out on cocaine. Oh. That Judge Greg Mathis directs his producers to get him enrolled into a rehab program oh. and kind of helps get it all set up. That's so sweet. And that's the rehab that sticks. Oh. Basically, like, the Judge Greg Mathis show is, like, one of the last times John Wood isn't sober. <gasps> For the rest of his life. At least as far as I can collect. I do not know what the 2023 version of John Wood is. He basically like kind of fades into oblivion after a while, which I'm it's so happy for him. probably good because yes. that means he's not like desperate to make yeah. cash off of like little interviews and Right. Stuff. He, yeah. I have, you're going to love how the story ends. All of you are. Have you heard of uh, Lady, how like Lady Gaga, it was like a viral video a while, like a long time ago. I think, I think she so. found out that. She was doing a concert or a show or something, and she found out that one of the people on her like hair and makeup team or something had like a fire that burned down like their entire house. And oh, so she goodness. handed her assistant like a card, like her credit card, and said, "Buy them one of everything." Oh shit! And like, yeah, totally like, just changed their yeah, life. Set their yes. life back up after that fire. Yeah, crazy. It's just like stuff like that. Like, it just and then Dolly you. Parton. Doing yes. All that oh, stuff. I know yeah. about Dolly Parton. Oh, do I know about Dolly Parton? <laughs> Rewind three minutes. I'm a gay man. <laughs> oh, I know about Dolly Parton. Yes, exactly. But yeah, that judge. And I think what's also, and this was so important to me as the story kind of concluded, because as I'm watching this documentary, it's kind of clear that things are winding down, but I'm starting to feel a little uncomfortable about like sharing this story if it doesn't have like a, a okay nice ending, ending to it. Okay ending for at least him. Right. Yeah. And so the fact that this show, which did profit off of John Wood's story. Yeah, at least. And John Wood agreed to it at least in some small part, to feed his addiction, mm-hmm. sees him, takes care of him, and, like, Doesn't helps him get like the... Use yeah, him exactly. But, like, we are going to profit off of this. You agreed to be on the show. But, one, kind of settle the legal troubles yeah. around this whole situation. Two, gets John Wood into a rehab that sticks. And three, there's a woman <gasps> in the South who sees this episode. Her name is Katie Wilkie. She's watching the Judge Greg Mathis episode, and she hears that John Wood wanted to get skeletal remains instead of, like, the leg that he got. And Katie Wilkie has, like, a really weird hobby. She gets bones ready for display. Like, if you give her yeah. your dead lizard or bird, she will give you a Those skeleton really in cool. return. Yes. She's not doing it, like, professionally, professionally. Yeah, it's like a hobby. Yes, yes. and she reaches out to him, and she's like, if you want skeletal remains, I I'll can do that for you. And Imagine going does. from a lizard to a human leg. A human leg. At one point, and I'm so sorry, if you, are eas- if you have a sensitive stomach, you're going to want to skip the next 15 seconds. She's meeting with John Wood, and John Wood's like, how can you take care of this? And she goes, oh, it's so dry, I can just peel it off like beef jerky. <laughs> and then John Wood goes, I have tried so many times to get drunk enough to do that, and I have not been able to get drunk enough. Yeah, no shit, dude. <laughs> right? I don't think you should ever be drunk I enough. I think there's just some humans that are born with the thing in their brain turned off that makes that and it's something impossible I for them. I think it's also different, like, regardless of where your stomach's at, is doing right. it to something that you consciously that know is yours. yours. That you grew. Yeah, yes. like that's weird. So, um, she helps fulfill John's dream. That's sweet. And they film the the handoff when John goes and gives, gives her, her the leg. leg. And then she makes a joke. We shouldn't call it a handoff. <laughs> we should call it a foot off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then um Yes. And then uh 
And so then John goes back a week, month later. The timeline isn't made clear, yeah. but he goes back later, and she has gotten it down to its skeletal remains, and then encased it in like clear epoxy in the shape of a leg, mm-hmm. and it like moves John to tears. And he brings it home and he like displays it and it gives him some real closure. And for the most part, that's kind of definitely less creepy than a motherfucker (laughs) leg in your smoker. (laughs) Certainly easier to look at, I will say that much. So, Shannon Wisnat, John Wood, who are these men? Shannon Wisnat is a complicated man. Oh, shit. I feel like you see him and you can tell he is searching for some, someone. I just am not going to read directly what I yeah. wrote. It might have an illusion at like 1230. I was like, yeah. um, <laughs> you can tell he is searching for someone to say something nice about him, to validate him. Mm-hmm. That being funny is an easy way to get people to appreciate him. Mm-hmm. His wife loves him and seems to have a pretty clear read on him. But you can always see he is working through something in every interview. That's tough. He says at the end of the documentary, <laughs> they are interviewing his wife. And then he says something and they pan over and he is sitting alone in the dark living room next to the fully lit kitchen where they're interviewing his wife. You think for the entire documentary that she's alone. That she's alone. And they just like kind of pan over and he's like in a lazy boy in the dark in the room next door. <laughs> it's so funny to watch. Um, but yeah, and at that point, like he like basically um, confesses. I mean, he's like, of course I'm still chasing a dream. Like, of course yeah. my... He even says at the time, and granted, this is a man controlling his own narrative at that point, but yeah. he was like, my dream has always been to be on TV and to get paid to make people laugh. Which, when that is the goal, that doesn't sound evil. Forcing a family to relive a horrific incident yes. for three or four years and claiming you own the former body part of another person. Yeah. Right, that's evil. And it's also just like... it stemmed from a really weird place of like he went to this place bought a smoker found a leg the police tried to take it and he was like no that's mine right exactly and then it all like i don't know what order technically he found out that it was john wood's leg but technically if he found out afterwards there's like a whole section in there where it's like really weird right yeah so this so uh this documentary is made in 2015 and then Mm -hmm. premieres in 2016 Mm -hmm. and does kind of like a where they now in credits right uh wisnat says he wants to throw the grill into the ocean because he believes it is cursed he also (laughs) announced he also announces on the radio that he is running for president in 2016 and so then I was like, oh, shit, I got to find this. Yeah. And I open up my computer and I Google Shannon Wisnat for president 2016. Stop it. And in November of that year, he passed away <gasps> at the age of 42 oh, of a heart attack. Oh, God. Still married to his wife. Um, really complicated. When's I she doubt... ever going to find another shirtless cowboy in a bar? <laughs> I don't know. I will say this, though. They, I didn't include this as part of yeah. the notes, but... One of the last interviews is they talk about how tough their relationship is towards the end. Mm. Part of me, and I'm not his family, but this was going to probably be the last time Wisnat was in the news, was the release of this documentary. So he was like searching for something else. I I think so. And you can kind of see it. So part of what I'm trying to say is if you deserve peace at the end of your life, I think this documentary would have given him some peace. And for him to kind of go out 
someone on top one last time mm-hmm. might have been nice for him. Yeah. I don't know. He's not a man I ever met, and he's a man that did some kind of crappy things for a little yeah. bit, was also complicated of himself. We hope his memory is a blessing to those who loved him. Yeah. That's, I that's think, fair. as much as I can say about a very complicated He man. does give really Tiger King vibes, especially Ooh. with the, like, fucking run for political <laughs> office there. 100%. Yikes. And so then you have John Wood. Who yeah. is John Wood? When you meet John Wood, especially in the 2007, the 2008 interviews, John Wood is a man who has grief hanging over him. Mm-hmm. The leg seems to be shorthand for his relationship between him and his father, who I think he admired very much. Yeah. At the time of the documentary, he was still working on mending the relationships with his family, specifically his mom and his sister, who saw him at his lowest, especially during his battle with his drug addiction. Yeah. Ultimately, the family half thanks Shannon Wisnat for being such an asshole during Fair. the entire experience because it ended up being the catalyst yeah. to John getting sober. Yeah, because if he hadn't just kept being a dick and kept prodding and poking and right. finding ways to get on national television. I'm so excited to say this yeah. last part. In 2014, John Wood married. And in 2016, when they premiered, John was still sober. Aww. In 2019, Ranker was able to pull together a couple interviews about John Wood. And this was the last news article, or at least the most recent news article I was able to find about John Wood. Yeah. Didn't find an obituary, didn't find any other interviews, but it was this. And there's two really cool things I want to say. Wood told the Charlotte Observer that he got into charity work because he felt finders keepers might have convinced some viewers that he was pushing a bizarre Southern stereotype. And he wanted to prove he is more than just some guy who got into a fight over his amputated leg. (laughs) It is important to Wood that he gives back to his community and that his reputation extends beyond the strange scenario. Mm -hmm. And then there's one final detail. As for the leg itself, Wood moved it from the bottom of a golf bag and into his closet before finally encasing it in a memorial to his father, fulfilling Wood's initial intentions of keeping his leg all the way back in 2004. And to top things off, Wood won the lottery in 2015. (laughs) Holy shit! Oh my god! And then this is the very last line we ever have about John Wood. He says this. Quote, it wasn't a lot of money, he told the New York Times. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough to say, hey, nice one. I see what you're doing here. Like somebody above is really having fun with this story. That's really sweet. And that's the last I was able to find of John Wood. I love that. I know. And so final thoughts and feelings, not even entirely sure we need it. No. But I mean, obviously, they're like, there's like shout outs to America's struggle with its current drug and opioid crisis yeah. that can tie itself back to many people legally being prescribed way too mm-hmm. strong painkillers by a system that had no interest in putting up guardrails. Yeah. That's Second, a whole thing. in light of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, mm-hmm. it is not lost on me that in North Carolina, the mm. uh, state that enshrined slavery into its constitution and who has attacked abortion rights, the battle over who legally owns the leg of a man who is still alive 
was in question. It's not That's funny, not but it's either. really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's so not funny. It comes all the way back around to hitting that point. It comes all the way back to being like, well, fucking hell, Jesus. I, I can't control my body, but that man sure as hell can get his fucking mummified ass leg back that's not even connected to him anymore. Never mind, I but hate it. Also, the fact that it was ever in question that it belonged to him is it's also funny. funny. So then I asked, without giving them too much information, I asked all of my students oh, no. this. And we did a poll in like every period. I love that. I'm a great public school teacher. I want you to know that. I would have loved to have you as a teacher. <laughs> I would have loved to have you. <laughs> Wouldn't have learned a damn thing. I have, I have one period. They know who they are, but I don't need to shout it out. There's one period whose entire class culture just really vibes with my own personality, and it is the hardest class for me to teach. Because <laughs> it is like trying to teach myself. <laughs> and I refuse to learn a lesson. So, <laughs> but anyways, I asked them all, and like 85% of high school students were like, it's, it's the guy who bought the storage locker. He bought the leg. It's his. He bought it. The case closed. If he cared about it that much, he shouldn't have put it in a storage locker that he then didn't pay for. And I was like, you can't legally buy something if it's illegal to buy it. If it was a decomposed body part? <laughs> Maybe. The man's still alive. You cannot have legal ownership over something you purchased illegally. And they're like, prove it. And I go... If the police illegally gather evidence against you, they can't use it in court. And the juniors and seniors in this mixed grade level class go, ah. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, that's a good point. Shit, forget that he used to teach civics. <laughs> Perkins operations, exactly. baby. Exactly. <laughs> Never tell the cops anything. Um, so that is, that is just, I don't, that's a wonderful story. I, I, I think. fucking hysterical. How did you find out about that? I, a man has his ways. I don't know. I wish <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I think I heard it somehow on some deep corner of the internet, mm. just like the title of one line. And then in my moment of panic, Remember it that. like shot through like a like a lightning bolt. Mm. And I was like, I have it. <laughs> and it was almost 10 p.m. And I was like, it's a 90 minute long documentary. We've got to get it started right, right now. now. And then it ended up being a two hour long documentary because I kept having to re like to ah, rewind yeah, it. Yeah. Win win winning win 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 win. <laughs> I'm trying to like write it as much as possible. I don't know. I wish I had to be like, here is my fountain of knowledge. It was just it was just a crazy story. Much like the NDA video. It's mm. just something that I kind of heard once. And it just popped back out. Yeah. And, and now it, we and have now listeners. And now it's episode one of Lost and Found. <laughs> That's fucking insane. Uh, I want you to know that every time I go to a museum or take a ghost tour now, I have like a little notes app where I like put Type in interesting in. facts. I have a lot of gangster knowledge and a lot of weird knowledge about Denver haunted things. Good. Down by Cheeseman Park. So. I, I love it. I feel like we're kind of back into our groove of editing things mm -hmm. where it's like one of us will do an episode and then over the next week, the other one does their best to create the exact opposite of a story that we just heard. So I cannot wait to find out what story is about to follow that. <laughs> Yeah, I knew what I was kind of kind of do because I I started watching that docu series uh, last night and I think it was I was watching it while you texted me Lost and Found and I like looked up and went 
oh. you went nice, nice, and I was like, cool, so she's not pressed. <laughs> there's like that, the docuseries that I watched might be one, and then there's another one. It's going to be true crime, okay. um, unless something, some other magical story happens. Piques but your interest. It's, yeah, I'm going to ask you some questions to gauge how well you know something. Okay. But yeah. I love it. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Do you want to do the speech? I did the speech last week. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. If you want to find us on social media, we're basically everywhere. Uh, well, I laughed. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're also on threads. There's oh, like are? two tweets out there. We're on threads. Uh, yeah. Great. <laughs> it's every once in a while in my dark, like rabbit hole where I'm like, what else do I do on my phone? And then I'll like go on there and I think I tweeted or I th- threaded. I don't know what you call it. Strung. There, there was one that I did when I first made the account and one that I did like last week. That was like a screen grab of Tyler's face from the live episode. <laughs> nice. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if you want to support us, uh, we are currently doing this all out of pocket so we love all your support and appreciate all of it and you get some bonus content and get to interact with us on discord it's while i laughed podcast and if you have anything to email us we do love getting your emails it is while i laughed pod at gmail.com so thank you all so much and um hope you enjoyed it yep bye bye